0: Oh, whoops, I had mute on. <laughs> so are, are you moving down to San Jose when Google Fiber comes out? No. Oh. Does that... There becomes a point where it's not really worthwhile, right? Because you currently have Comcast, like, 50 megabit a second service. Like, if that was one gigabit per second, does that really affect you all that much? Like, it, of course, it'd be great to have faster speeds, but does that really make a difference?
1: I mean, part of me wants to say no, but then the other part of me... Always thinks back to, you know, the early k times. Yeah, the well, or like you know, the early nineties where you hear people saying, "Why would you ever need more than like sixty-four k of memory?" You know, it's, it's
0: that was the mid-eighties.
1: Whatever, you know what I mean.
0: Your first computer had way more than sixty-four k in memory. It did. I think it had.
1: Um, I think it had one hundred and twenty-eight megs actually.
0: Wait of RAM or, or of storage space?
1: Of RAM, I think. No, it didn't. Maybe not. I don't know.
0: Unless it was like 1998.
1: No, yeah, no, it was. This was like 1991. So maybe, maybe it was 128 megabytes of storage. Yeah, maybe that's what it was. Anyway.
0: All right. Um. So explain what Left Shark is to me.
1: <laughs> Gladly. Um. So as you know, the uh the Super Bowl was this weekend, and uh, Katy Perry was the the halftime performer. And as I guess you could kind of expect, her show was uh, a bit eccentric. It had a lot, of, a lot of props, a lot of effects. And during uh, the middle of the set where she, I forget what songs were, I think this was during both Teenage Dream and California Girls. She had a beach set where there were palm trees and sand and some other stuff. And up on stage with her were all of these like sea creatures, like pe- people in costume dancing along with her. And most prominently featured were these sharks dancing right behind her. And there were these two sharks, one on her, one on her right-hand side, one on her left-hand side, and um, the shark on her right-hand side, which is the, the, you know television viewer's left-hand side.
0: You're explaining this in the most boring way, I'm sorry.
1: Yeah, no, I'm going into the, the lawyer mode that you like so much.
0: Okay, uh, stage right shark. Okay, yeah, uh-huh. uh huh. He went a little off script.
1: Where uh, stage stage uh, left shark was, you know, he, he was he was following party lines. He was kind of dancing the way that all the other creatures were dancing, but then this other this other shark was was kind of going rogue. Kind of doing some stuff with its fins and just kind of going kind of crazy. And so, well, do you have to
0: explain it that way. <laughs> no, no, it just sounds like Sarah Palin's inside the shark costume.
1: <laughs> and so, you know, the internet, of course, like it does, had a, had a field day with the shark. And there's been 18,000 different memes um, and gifs and all that posted about the shark. The halftime shows were so, watching So it was, if so you it was a backup
0: dancer that's a shark and that's it? Yeah. Okay. The the halftime show is worth watching if you haven't seen it. Okay, I haven't, so I guess I will.
1: I know you're not a, you're not a big fan of the sports ball, but
0: um No, no, I what,
1: what do you mean? I definitely
0: am. Not not football, but
1: Well, that's, that's what I mean.
0: Okay. Sports ball can refer to uh, baseball.
1: Oh, I can, but uh, not not in the context I was just using it.
0: Okay. And balls with basket. Mm, yes. Okay. And apparently like there was some uh the more you know thing. I don't know what that was, but what do you mean? Something about uh NBC's uh, the more you know. No, oh, I don't know. <laughs> huh. That was a bad, bad pun. Um
1: I guess and then the other thing from the Super Bowl was that uh nationwide commercial. Do you hear about that at all?
0: Oh, I did see that. Though. There was the the kid that uh isn't uh well yeah, he, he he's dead and he ruined everybody's day.
1: Well, so the the commercial was highlighting the number of child deaths, which are preventable, and um, it was a, it was a very very sad commercial, and it, it, it um it caught everybody really off guard because the nationwide had an earlier commercial that featured I forget what her name is. She was in the office, and she has her own show on Fox now. That this thing's called the Mindy Project. So her and, name is
0: Mindy Kaling.
1: Oh, okay, thank you. You just um, named her. Well, I named her first name. I didn't know her last name. They had fe- it featured her, and it was a very funny commercial, and then two or three commercial breaks later, they come in again with this this really heart-wrenching commercial. I don't know. I feel like going the comedic routes the way to go for the Super Bowl. I, d- I don't think going the serious routes the right thing, but what do I know? Did you know, uh, so one of the one of the things that I, I I don't participate in, but I enjoy following, is around the Super Bowl, there are these prop bets. Are you familiar with these at all? No, what's that? So a prop bet is, uh, I mean, obviously you can just bet on the game, you know, the final score, the winner, et cetera. But a prop bet is all the things around the game. So you can bet on things like which team will score first, or will a team score on three consecutive possessions, or will there be a fumble or an interception or or whatever. And then on the Super Bowl, there's even crazier things like the over-under on the number of seconds that the national anthem's going to take, or um, there's, just, I mean, there's just all kinds of like really funny ones. And one of the bets that was most popular this year was what song Katy Perry was going to sing first. And the, uh, the favorite was Roar, and sure enough, that was the song she came out with.
0: Okay, did, did you win some money? or?
1: I'm no, I, I said I, I, I didn't actually participate. I just kind of enjoy following what all these prop bets are. Because people do actually bet real money on these things.
0: Okay, let's get this back on track. Okay. G- give me a good news story.
1: Um, so I, the other thing that kind of caught my attention this week, it's kind of more of a negative story, I guess, but this Nintendo YouTube thing. Do you see this at all? Nope. <laughs> So, so YouTube or Nintendo's been against the idea of people posting clips from their games on YouTube. This includes everything from trailers to game, like just gameplay clips, anything that has their, well, what they say is their content in it, they oppose to being on YouTube. And so they've had this pretty staunch effort of going through and preventing people from posting gameplay clips and any other kind of video clips related to Nintendo. And so they came out with a, um, what they're calling a creator's program, where they are going to allow people to post clips to YouTube, but they are going to take a certain percentage of the revenue that users would otherwise generate from posting those, those clips on YouTube. So... His first article of this joystick, oh, well, RIP joystick, um, (laughs) says, Nintendo unveiled its new revenue-sharing affiliate program for YouTube users, offering up to 70% of ad revenue to video makers using Nintendo copyrighted content. So that would essentially mean that Nintendo would be taking a 30% cut. That doesn't seem right to me at all. That seems just insane.
0: Why would they care? So, a couple things. So isn't gameplay video and like game walkthroughs kind of a huge thing on youtube and whatever that thing amazon bought twitch yeah isn't that like big business now or isn't that like something that people enjoy watching absolutely 100%. And does and doesn't somebody watching that in kind of motivate them to buy the game no question especially since you can't uh, like or i don't know how but you can't really pirate wii u games because it's like a physical console
1: yeah, no question.
0: So where are they losing out other than the fact that nobody wants to buy a Wii U? That is a fantastic question. This new Nintendo, or, or recent Nintendo, is kind of frustrating. It is. Um, no, it, it definitely is. Because all, the, all they're doing, or in my opinion, because they don't want to embrace the future and they refuse to make iOS games, um, they just keep running their current franchises into the ground. Like, I'm sure Mario Kart, like, 28 has been, was nice. But what new stuff has Nintendo made in years? Like, nothing, right? Yeah, not much. So, and now they're just trying to shake down 15-year-old kids for ad revenue that are posting, like, best laps in Mario Kart? Like, that's super, like, disappointing.
1: I, you know, by far and away, one of the best ways, I think, to show your game now is by these, you know... It used to be where people were, would rely upon formal video game reviews, and I think a lot of people have gotten away from that, and now the, you know, the first place they might go is somewhere like YouTube, where they want to go and check out a bunch of gameplay clips and see what the game looks like. And yeah, I, I think it's completely misdirected to, uh, to discourage that. And then I just I think it's so disingenuous to come out and say, oh, you know what, we figured this out. A win-win situation for everybody where we're going to allow you to post these videos so graciously and we're going to take 30% of whatever revenue you earn. That just that just seems wild to me.
0: Dying industry. Or sorry, a dying company. Yeah. It seems like, what other company has done something like that? Somebody else has pulled something where they're, they're just trying to scrape whatever they can finally get before it just it goes away. <laughs> yeah. uh, I can't; it's not coming to me. <laughs> but that's that's disappointing because uh, it doesn't. Um, didn't PlayStation or Microsoft kind of built uh, build into the console like social sharing of your gameplay video? Like that's like one of the hallmark features of it.
1: Yeah, I, they did. Both uh, both the Xbox One and the PlayStation Four have you know very instant. Very easy ways to share gameplay videos, and there there have been some gameplay publishers who, or game publishers, I should say, who have been opposed to this. Who cares?
0: Yeah, I like. I'm. Who's you know. not going to buy a sixty dollars video game because they can watch somebody else play it? Right.
1: Like. No, I, I I completely agree, and I just I think I think Nintendo. In some ways, this is almost worse than if you know. These other companies who have basically come out and just said, hey, you can't post your your clips on YouTube, and they kind of end it there. I think in some ways, this is almost worse, where they're doing that, and then they're responding with just a completely bogus, what they call compromise. Very silly. Yeah.
0: And very very misguided. Maybe they need the funds from this to fund all the iOS game development they're going to do when they realize that <laughs> consoles aren't, aren't for them anymore. Uh, maybe. I'd pay $40 today to have a, any version of Mario that was like officially licensed on my iPhone 6.
1: How do you think that would control?
0: I don't know. Let them figure it out. That's, that, I think that's... Bluetooth the... Wii remote. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like... It, or make it available just on the iPad and then you use like the bottom half of the screen for just touch controls.
1: Touch controls are really tricky. Have you ever actually played a game where there's been a D-pad or other type of buttons nope. emulated? No.
0: Nope. I, I do crosswords and air hockey on my iPad.
1: It's it's tough to do. Um it, cont- actually, you know, we've we've hinted at this topic a couple of times on the show where we've talked about how one of the big Kind of upper limits of the potential of mobile devices is its method of input. And I think that's no more true than for games, where I think games on mobile platforms are really, really limited by having a touchscreen interface.
0: Okay, well, doesn't the, um, like the Wiimote is Bluetooth, isn't it? It is. So why can't you just pair that to your iPad? that way they get money on the hardware side and on the software side and they don't have to make a console anymore everybody wins
1: so then what are you going to do with your iPad are you going to prop it up on the desk somewhere nearby
0: yeah with your smart cover
1: and why is that a better experience than just playing a game on your TV
0: because i don't want to i'm not buying a Wii U nobody is buying a Wii U
1: yeah but it seems like one of the big draws of mobile games is the fact that well they're mobile and i don't really <laughs> think a lot of that goes away if you have to like sit there in line where you, you're holding out your
0: iPhone in your left hand and you're, like, waggling your Wii remote in your right hand. No, but that's the thing. Again, you can accept a subpar experience with touch controls. If you don't like it, you can attach a, a Bluetooth accessory. Hmm. Like, it, the iPhone has proven that people are always willing to accept kind of a crappier experience if it's somewhat more convenient. Like, touchscreen typing is terrible, but you know what? You, you, you deal with it because you don't want, like, a slide-out keyboard or, like, a big bulky phone. All right, you want to talk about uh, Microsoft? Uh, wow,
1: sure. You know, normally you're the one that, that doesn't want to.
0: No, I enjoy. I, I'm I'm all about new Microsoft. Mm, okay. Never never buy a Surface, but <laughs> well, actually, no. I'm dude. I've been so tempted so many times to buy a Surface. It's it's ridiculous.
1: Oh, I, I I I briefly mentioned this either last week or the week before. I got my hands on a, a Surface Pro three for the first time recently and was very very impressed.
0: Yeah, like the software's still uh, still junk, but um, yeah, you'd mentioned last week that it it feels very solid. It's kind of heavy, but it feels nice, and the screen quality's good too, right? Actually, no, I thought it was very light. It's like one point compared to an iPad Air two. Well, sure, but I thought for well, you can't compare it to a laptop. Well, why not? Because it can't replace your laptop. That's that's their advertising slogan. The device that can't replace your laptop.
1: <laughs> I, I, I don't think that's quite right. But
0: <laughs> am I getting a word wrong? You might be. Uh, if Apple made a Surface, which they never will, I'd be all over it.
1: Yeah, me too.
0: Like, if I could just have something that's a heavier iPad, that, like, I want that middle device, and the iPad Air 2 is still not it, but whatever.
1: Well, so you had a, you had a topic. I'm looking through the, um, the Slack here, and it was, um, um, let me try to find this here. Um, you, had a, you had a question about the the ipad and
0: the the macbook air do you remember this well yeah i've just been again it's the same question i've been asking for like a year or or like several years which is just kind of what what does an ipad air look like that's more powerful and capable and what does like a a stripped down or like simplified macbook air look like and when do they kind of like converge on the same thing and when is that going to happen
1: yeah, so your, your blurb here was, for productivity, what's the functional difference of a more capable iPad versus a less capable MacBook Air? When does that become the same
0: thing? And I guess that's, I like, because I really like this iPad Air, too. I just, I'm so set in my ways that I just haven't used it enough, which I'm really, really, really trying to use it more. But, like, all I want is a MacBook Air that's just super light and thin and and wonderful, and they just won't make that with a Retina display. So I just don't know what to do. And I just I assume Apple has a product vision where they eventually want iOS and macOS 10 to kind of converge for the mainstream user at some point. So when does that happen, and when does it look like? Like, is it this 12-inch iPad Pro that people keep talking about? I just don't know.
1: It still feels like something like that's
0: further off i i think os 10 will still exist for people like me and people who buy like mac pros but i think the macbook airline will probably at one point like switch to arm processors and be some kind of like hybrid ios os 10 thing like probably os 10.13 like like two or three years from now i i bet you that exists I do
1: agree that it seems like if the laptops were to switch to ARM, that would be kind of the big, the big signal that hey, we're gonna probably see the operating system go in a more mobile centric direction. But I don't know that that does feel that does feel at least a few years away.
0: Well, actually, we didn't we didn't talk about this last week. But what what do you what do you think about the iPad uh, or sorry the Apple stylus rumors? I. I can't really think
1: of any specific instance where either with my iPhone or with my iPad, I wish I had a stylus. I've never, I've actually never found the idea of a stylus very appealing. I I totally get it for graphic designers where they have got like a Wacom tablet, but I don't, is that, I don't think it's pronounced Wacom, isn't it? It's really not. I don't, whatever. Um, I, that's really the only purpose I've ever seen that's made sense to me. I like the idea, like, I, I think one of the e- examples you see on some of these surface ads is where people or maybe it's not a surface ad, maybe it's a Samsung ad where they have a stylus and, you know, you can like scribble down some notes and then the notes get translated into text like that. I don't know, to me that that's never been appealing because why, why wouldn't I just want to type a
0: note? Why would I want to write a note i'm quicker taping than i am writing even on an uh, even on a tablet because that's like i've i've been doing serious research into it. again because i just want to spend i just want to throw more money at this problem of a device i don't actually use <laughs> <sighs> it's it's very frustrating this this, um, sound,
1: this sounds like more of the old carlos to me i'm
0: excited no again like because do, uh, do you uh you know who federico vatici is right i know the name yes he, he writes Maxstories.net. he writes like very very good stuff but he's, like, one of the, like, prime examples of people who, like, lives and dies by his iPad. And he, he published an article, like, this week about why it's his primary computer. And I really wish I could do it. And I just got to find a way to kind of, like, wean myself off of the familiar computer. But anyway, no, but I've always thought that... Because the iPad Air is very much the size of a sheet of paper that handwriting and, like, marking stuff up on that would kind of solve the input problem. Which, if I'm writing more than a sentence or two on the iPad, I either have to take out a Bluetooth keyboard, or I just give up. So, I don't know. Like, uh, so I've done serious research into, um... There's a company called Adonit that makes Bluetooth, um... stylus pens. And, yeah, but it just seems like kind of a waste. Or it seems like the system hooks to make it work right aren't actually there so it's just on an app by app basis which makes it kind of underwhelming
1: okay so give me some like some examples of when you would use something like that
0: uh just notes like just evernote just times when you want to get stuff like out of your brain like on onto like digital paper and you and you find
1: that writing as opposed to typing is a more effective way for you to do that
0: When I type, either going into Evernote or if I type it into Scratch or whatever, um, it usually ends up getting really, really, really shortened because I don't want to type that much, especially on my phone, to the point where I miss out on a lot of stuff. But if I was just like, if I had like an idea for a story I wanted to write or something, like, if I was able to write it down, I'd probably do that a lot more. I don't know. Hmm.
1: Interesting. That's that's not yeah, that's just not really the way not really the way I think. I I, I find that typing is quicker and more efficient than writing most no, of the uh, time. Uh,
0: if if it was on a traditional laptop, if I have my MacBook Pro with me, ooh, I'll, t- I'll type it all day long. It, and I'm definitely quicker at typing than I am at writing. But it's on a touchscreen where after a couple of sentences with dealing with uh, uh, autocorrect and stuff like that, or not getting stuff right, I just give up. Or I just get frustrated and just say, screw it. And I just start typing like just a couple of keywords of whatever I was thinking, and then it's over.
1: I definitely think that if Apple were to come out with a stylus, you know, obviously there'd be the, the tech press jumping all over that old Steve Jobs quote. But once people got over that, which I think they. They would pretty quickly. And again,
0: the thing is, Steve Jobs changes mind. Like, it, or, yeah. Sorry.
1: It changes like every two years. Uh, no, ex- exactly. And I, I think, you know, there, there would be that initial reaction, but then people would get over that. And I, I actually do think that Apple could probably do a lot of really cool things with a stylus. So I have no doubt about that. A, lo- a lot of things that probably wouldn't actually be very applicable to me, but to artists and to writers, I could see... I could see them doing a lot of really great things because imagine if you had the sort of fidelity that you have with a Wacom or Wacom to whatever tablet, but Apple were to somehow develop that to basically be built right into the iPad. That could be, that could be really, really powerful for a lot of people. Again, not for somebody like me, but I, I think for more artistic folks that that would be a huge selling point.
0: Yeah, I agree.
1: I think, there's, I think there's a lot of potential there. And, you know, I think, and I think that's what a lot of people have been calling for that with the iPad, maybe even yourself included, is give me more reasons to use this thing. Give me more reasons why this is a better experience than using my laptop. And a stylus definitely seems like a, a huge possibility to open a lot of doors that would lead people in that direction.
0: And in that uh, Federico Vatici article that I've, that I've uh, read half of, uh, he points to, I think, Jason Snell, who said that, like, for in, in all of the iPad's advertising and its, like, kind of proposed use cases, it seems like a redundant device in a lot of ways. Like, it's a great passive web browsing device, but for most other things, it's only slightly more useful than your phone and probably still a lot less useful than a traditional computer. So that's the big problem that he apparently somehow has, like worked his way out of. So again, I I need to read that whole article to figure out what his uh, magic is.
1: I, I I agree with that mostly, but I don't know. Like the iPad Mini in particular, I I have found to just be the absolute perfect lay on the couch while watching TV device. Where, but I, but I, that
0: I, could be your phone. It could be absolutely. Again, it's just slightly better than your phone. Well, but I think.
1: I think when, re- when reading and when watching video, which are really the two most common things I do even on my phone, it is undoubtedly a better experience on a larger screen. So
0: go for it. Sorry.
1: Even though, the, even though the, the screen size difference, as, as we've gone into some length on the show, between the mini and particularly the iPhone 6 is not not that dramatic. I think it is, it is a big enough difference where like, when I'm at home and I want to do some maybe like, longer-form reading or watch a longer type of video. It is worthwhile having that bigger screen, I think. And then that, that does make an appreciable
0: difference. Okay. So in that case, uh, we're going to transition nicely into um, a different Apple question. And I, I was really hoping this wouldn't be an Apple show, but Apple Watch and Apple TV. Mm, so, yes. So the Apple Watch is going to come out in April. So w- what are... Two words that you could use to describe the Apple Watch, a two-word phrase.
1: Companion device.
0: That's very close. Uh, or what, what I was uh, wishing for was iPhone accessory. Yeah. And is that not exactly what the Apple
1: TV is? I don't see the Apple, I, I don't see my Apple TV as as that. No.
0: Or it's an iOS accessory.
1: No, I, I don't. I
0: don't see it that way at all. Do you think it's more broad than that, or more limited than that? More broad. So then, why doesn't Apple spend more energy and time improving the Apple TV and just raising the price of it? because I guess my 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 question and my frustration with Apple TV, which has gotten somehow worse recently, like I know everybody's been complaining a lot, but airplay has been working a lot less reliably since it did its like last software update but. It, it just seems like it's easy money that they're leaving on the table by just completely ignoring this device. Because any, like, let's say um, like a family could at most buy two Apple Watches. How many TVs do they have in the house? They could be buying like four or five Apple TVs. I don't think this is a money-losing device. If they make it an indispensable device, why can't it be as big a market as potentially the Apple Watch?
1: I think, I think Apple would love to do that. But I think they're hamstrung by content.
0: No, no, they have the content. It's just not very good at accessing or playing it. Well, I, no. I I disagree because the thing is, other people's content can snap into it. Hulu Plus could be available on the on the Apple TV, but they don't. It it could be so much better than it is, but they don't.
1: Well, y- yes, but I, I mean, I think what really makes Apple TV the device that you want it to be is by also plugging in to your your television service. And that's that's what Apple can't just go out and make that happen. They need to sign up and, and get partners. And I, I don't think that folks like Comcast and Verizon and whoever else are, are gonna be willing to do that.
0: That no, that that's not what I'm hoping for. Like I don't expect that at all. I don't think there will ever be a day where there's an Apple television-connected product that incorporates your cable subscription other than to validate um like a watch espn or like a hbo go type scenario which it does now mm. again something similar to its current state that was faster more reliable easy to search and had more robust software that feels like a product that's from 2015 and not from 2010 could make a ton of money like we have two in our house if there was a compelling product to buy that was 200 dollars a piece we'd buy two in a second
1: i you know I, I just i don't i don't agree with that because i i really enjoy the apple tv even as it currently is and i think the best way to illustrate that is connected to my tv i have I mean, an Xbox One, a PlayStation 4, a Wii U, my TV itself has built-in apps, um, my TiVo. I have all these different boxes, all of which can do Netflix, most of which can do Amazon, most of which can do HBO Go, all the services that I regularly use. And whenever possible, the box I always default to is the Apple TV. Because it is, of all those boxes, if I just want to watch something on HBO Go or something on Netflix, the Apple TV is, without question, the best experience of all those boxes. So, you know, I'm sure there's a lot more I would like Apple TV to do, but I don't in any way consider its current iteration to be disappointing. And it's only 99 bucks. I mean, it's, it's, I think it's, it's priced properly, um
0: it well yes it's definitely priced properly because it's as underwhelming as it is hmm. and again just the the reliability issues like
1: well see that that's another part and also
0: and well i guess my question is so you don't find any issue with there being now like this like five by nine grid of just random ass icons that you can't reorder you can reorder them it's just not apparent how you do it can you? How?
1: Yeah, you can. There's, there's tutorials online. It, it, it works exactly <laughs> if the I same have to
0: way. Go, if I have to look at a YouTube video to find a way to bring ESPN up to the top, that's...
1: It works the same way as it does on the iPhone where you get into a mode and the icons start wiggling around and you, you drag them around.
0: Is it as intuitive as it should be?
1: No, I don't think so. Okay. Um... See, I don't, I don't have any issues with, uh, we've talked about this on the show, I, I, don't, I don't have any issues with AirPlay. I really don't. I, I use AirPlay both from my iPhone and my iPad fairly regularly, and with both video and audio, I mostly use it for audio, but do occasionally stream a video from my iPad. I, I, I just, I don't have any issues doing that. I really don't. Okay. And I guess you know I'm I'm in a I guess I'm in a perfect scenario where I'm I'm in a small studio apartment. I've got an Airport Extreme as my router. My app, Apple TV is hardwired.
0: Um, I'm on Ethernet as well. I don't know. It's just it's I don't know. I find it to be a frustrating missed opportunity. And and I guess it's my increasing skepticism about the Apple Watch that just kind of I just I, I don't think it's going to do all that well. Even if they sell a whole boatload of them, I think most people are going to think it's a disappointing product, and there's one that's staring them right in the face that they just seem to just be unwilling to address. Mm. Like, I guess my question is, you don't think Apple could do better with it? With, like, even if it doesn't do anything other than what it does now, you don't think there could be a better Apple TV? Oh, I'm sure there could be. So why not? Why aren't they focused on that? It doesn't even have to be that much focus
1: i don't know um i guess i mean it's hard for me to i haven't really put a lot of thought into this just because i in general am not currently disappointed with the apple tv but um i I think things like universal search you mentioned earlier that's something that the roku
0: does very well that is something that they could have so so there every other box honestly probably does it better like, the reviews and everybody I know who has, like, the Roku 3 or whatever the $99 current Roku box is loves it and says it's a billion times better. That, that's the frustrating part. Right, well, it's all frustrating. <laughs> it's a matter of
1: time. I mean, there, there's no doubt that we'll, we'll see another iteration of the Apple TV in 2017.
0: In some... <laughs> Like, seriously, the, the current box, has it changed other than, like, one day they made it support, like, true 1080p video? I think it's been literally the same since 2011. Has it not?
1: Uh, earlier than that, I think. Because I think um, you, when, when you and I first moved up to San Francisco, um, we got the Apple TV right when it first came out. And that was 2010.
0: You never owned the, the one that actually had a hard drive in it, right?
1: No, the, the, the first hockey puck. Yeah. Then that was when AirPlay first came out. That's what I bought it for. Was for airplane. Yeah. Okay. You, do do you feel better? Do You feel like you needed to get that Apple TV thing off your chest?
0: A little bit. Just yeah. just I'm just a little bit confounded with the Apple Watch stuff.
1: Oh, I mean, we can talk about that too.
0: Well, no, you're you're all happy about it, or you're excited about it.
1: I'm very excited. I'm going to
0: begrudgingly it. get one and then just be disappointed.
1: <laughs> no, I I I am. I was just just thinking about this today. It's uh, it's February now. We're we're. Uh... Well, we're, we're actually probably still like three full months away. Because exactly. you know this, it's you know be this thing's coming out 30th. April 30th. Yeah. <laughs> What's the, let's look at the calendar here. What's the last
0: Friday of April? Yeah, the thing is, gonna, it's going to say... April uh, 24th. Ships, ships in three to four weeks. <laughs> on April 24th. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, what do you think? you think they're going to do pre-orders on this thing? Yeah, probably. I'd...
1: I hope so. Why? Because the experience so I had with the 5S, not having pre-orders and having to stand in line like an animal the morning of,
0: again, you genuinely think it's going to be good.
1: I do. I think I well. I think that personally, I'm going to find it to be a good product. I don't. I can't. You know. I can't speak to the general public. I think there's a strong possibility there's going to be a handful of things that a lot of people find disappointing. But I. I think. Um. I think for me i'm gonna really enjoy it
0: and you're gonna enjoy charging it
1: <laughs> uh yeah that's gonna be that's gonna be fascinating the battery the battery life thing is gonna be so interesting that and i, I think you
0: misplaced uh, the word frustrating well you're mixing up your f's
1: maybe the the battery life and the upgrade path gonna be really really interesting
0: also, what a bummer is it going to be if you spend six ninety nine on the the nice version of it and it's uh completely out of date in nine months?
1: That's 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 what we're talking about. Yeah, I, I think that's um they they ha- God they have to have an answer for that. They have to.
0: Well, no, just like the iPhone three G, like like comparatively, like the I, the original iPhone was kind of a junky product compared to the three G. Like it was revolutionary, but the three G was just so much better.
1: Yeah, but what's different about phones is that with the system we have here in the US, where you've got a subsidized device on a two year contract, we're kind of set up to allow folks to fairly seamlessly and affordably upgrade their phone every two years. You know, the, these watches are not going to be subsidized. That's what so. I'm saying.
0: That's why more people are going to be supremely pissed about having wasted their hard earned money just to have to buy the next one.
1: Yeah. Well, the we, actual good one. We spent what felt like almost an entire episode talking about, you know, Gruber's theory about these watches being upgradable. Here's um, my thing.
0: I don't think that's going to be true. Apple's not no. going to have you come into the store, make a genius bar appointment, and some dude like, busts out his watch repair kit, <laughs> and they're going to swap, swap out your processor. Yeah, but it would I, be... I don't know anything, but I don't think that's going to happen. It'd be the most elegant
1: watch repair kit you've ever seen.
0: Yeah, and how are you going to know uh, when to come back to the store? You won't have your Apple Watch for the push notification. <laughs> You're going to have to take your phone out of your pocket like an animal. It, uh,
1: Oh man, God, this is gonna
0: be, so, be such a
1: wh- So the rumor, the rumors come out in the last couple of days, is um, an event sometime near the end of this month. For what? As a final sort of preview event, where we'll get the actual date, we'll get price, we'll get you know, kind of all the the nitty gritty details.
0: That that sounds too early. Well, Because it sounds like it's going to go right down to the wire, right? In terms of them trying to tweak the software and make sure it gets even like a half day of battery life. Or, I mean, like a working day.
1: Who knows? I mean, if, um, if it comes out the early part of April, then I don't think late February is too early. But, I mean, history, history has shown that when Apple says a month, they, they usually hit, barely hit the end of the month. But, well, I don't know. We'll see.
0: The year is split up into thirds, not quarters. That's, that's right. <laughs> like most people think.
1: Uh, including a company like Apple, which is publicly traded. But anyway.
0: Yes. <laughs> they, they spoke to horological experts. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, Johnny Ive. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, what were we talking about Microsoft? I was um, trying to talk about Microsoft, about the about, uh, Outlook for iOS, and then somehow it turned into Surface.
1: Oh, is that, is that what you were trying to transition to? Yeah, I have no idea where that went. Yeah, but. I don't know. Yeah, so th- this was the very first thing I linked to over the course of the last week. This um, um, what, what is this? They, so Microsoft had, had acquired somebody and they... Uh, Accompli? What is this?
0: Yeah, so there's a lot of companies that have been like you know trying to reinvent email in iOS. And the w- only one that did it well was Accompli. Um and Microsoft bought them for two hundred million dollars. Um, and it was the only one that did email like the way it should be, like Mailbox, and all those other ones tried to make it. They like loaded your Gmail account with all these weird folders and tried to schedule email, and um, they just tried to do that whole Inbox Zero thing to like an insane degree. Whereas this one just made dealing with email better, and it really fits kind of with what you would expect Microsoft to do, and they haven't messed it up yet. So yeah, I'm super excited. So you you, you after, you've actually been using this? Well yeah, I've been using Accompli for like I don't know like four months now, um, and then it got bought, and then I was like freaking out that it would uh, turn to junk or they they would make it like Windows Phone only or something. Um, but no, uh, Outlook is pretty great. It's the exact same application; they just changed the icon and the font, basically.
1: So what do you um what do you need in order to be able to use this?
0: Uh, just a Gmail or an Exchange account.
1: So you don't, you don't need any sort of um, Outlook or, I'm sorry, Office 365 subscription or anything like that?
0: No, no. As, as you can tell, Microsoft has given up the whole making money thing.
1: So as somebody who, so I use both Gmail and, um, Gmail for my personal email, and then I have an Outlook Exchange server at work. Um, and I currently just have both plugged into the default iOS mail app. Do you recommend I try this?
0: I'd give it a shot. Hmm.
1: Interesting. I guess I will.
0: Yeah. It's it's very nice and I like how um, if you have an exchange account linked up to it, it'll show you your mail, calendar, any emails that have attachments to them. You can integrate Dropbox into it. It's just very very uh, tightly integrated.
1: Mm, interesting.
0: Yeah, and whenever you have no messages in your mailbox, it says achievement unlocked inbox 0, which I like. As so it's an Xbox.
1: Do you do you find that the calendar that's in outlook is complementary to something like fantastical
0: yes so uh the one drawback which i know you're gonna immediately jump on but don't call it a drawback is that it doesn't work with icloud calendar
1: yeah that's a drawback
0: but again no other mail client integrates a calendar so it's not a drawback you can't get mad about a feature that doesn't work with something that's not a feature in anything else i can get mad about anything because that, that's, that's the same reaction I had. I'm like, well, where the hell are my uh, iCloud calendars? But like, it wasn't in there to begin with. So who am I to complain?
1: Well, I guess even if this were just a better mail client than the iOS app, and you know, I, I could just ignore the calendar stuff and continue to use Fantastical.
0: Yeah. But just basically everything about like moving messages into different labels and folders and archiving something, it's, it's, just, it's way easier. And I do really, really like its scheduling feature. What is what is this? Like if you send me an email and I'm busy and I can't get back to it, rather than just like flagging it or starring it or just hoping I get back to it later, I can just swipe left on it and just say, uh, remind me about it in three hours. And that's it. Hmm. So then it just reappears as a new email in three hours and it gets out of my way.
1: Yeah, I, I really don't care for the iOS mail app all that much, so...
0: Yeah, I, I don't know. It, it's it's weird and it's just too simplistic and it also just works horribly with Gmail. Like it doesn't fit with any of Gmail's kind of yeah. I you agree. know how like they have their own kind of like weird like UI conventions, right? Which are more flexible. But if it doesn't support it, it's just weird.
1: Yeah. What do you what do you use for mail on OS ten?
0: Uh, I still use a program called Sparrow, mm, which yeah. um they bought and abandoned. Google bought and Google, abandoned. Right. Yeah. Um. So it's 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 not great. It's a little bit buggy on Yosemite, but um, generally I just deal with mail on iOS or in the browser.
1: Do do you, you don't have a do you have an Exchange server at work?
0: Oh, uh, we do, but I use Good for work.
1: But what do, what do you does Sparrow plug into that Exchange server as well? No. So what do you what do you how do you access work email on your Mac?
0: Uh, VPN.
1: On the web. Yep. No. That's why I do it through iOS. Like Outlook, Outlook Web Access? hmm No, that's not... Ugh.
0: Yep. Hmm. Kind of the worst, but anyway. Well, I'll give this a try, I guess. And also, on that note, have you ever heard of a company called Sunrise? I have not. So there's an... Uh, the Verge says um, it's the best calendar application on iOS and Android. And apparently, Microsoft bought them, too, this morning. Hmm.
1: So, yeah. A lot of hmms this week. I've noticed on my end.
0: It's okay. There's a there's a lot of stuffs happening. Yeah, I, things, you know things, what I think. Things change rapidly in technology.
1: Maybe that's why we're a little off our game this week. There's just there's just too much.
0: We just, just can't handle it. Can't you just you, you can be you should be able to like so you're uh, you're upgrading. Uh, this is kind of behind the scenes stuff, but you're upgrading your uh, podcast editing setup. So isn't isn't there a feature in Logic where you can just kind of randomize the topics and just let <laughs> Logic figure it out for you?
1: I, I, yeah, I think uh, I think that's I think that's a feature in uh, this 10.1 release they just came out with. Yeah, that's one Yeah, one of the big selling points for me. I've heard there's just a button I can press that just makes my my podcast sound like a like a five by five uh, produced show. I because I'm I've, I'm beginning this again, getting a little bit behind the scenes, but um, I've been getting a little bit more into the just kind of the equipment and editing methods and and stuff of podcasting because we've you know we've been doing this for a couple of years now and. I like to continue to uh, hone my craft, as you say.
0: So, so Logic is your $900 golf club. <laughs> right. Yes.
1: Yeah, so I'm putting, putting some more RAM in the Mac Mini, and then uh, going to start using Logic instead of GarageBand. Jason Snell's kind of at fault for the the move to Logic. He had a really good article this last week highlighting some of the neat features in Logic that... I think, could really help me as I'm editing the show. GarageBand's great, but it's just, um, it's limited, as you, I guess, would expect a free app to be.
0: Well, in, in recent versions, haven't they um, kind of scaled back its podcasting functions? Well, they
1: have, but Logic was never meant for podcasts to begin with, so... I, mean, hmm. you, you, I was actually just looking at this before the show. When you look at the app store, it is 110% advertised as being a music producing app. I don't even think the word podcast is mentioned once. So it's not as if Logic is more podcast focused, but um, the tools that it just happens to have for the music side are also very applicable to the, the podcasting side.
0: Gotcha. Okay. Yeah.
1: What else? What else have we got?
0: weblogs inc kind of coming to an end yeah so um. if i don't know how long people the people who have listened to this have been on the internet but back in 2005 or so there was a company called weblogs inc that aol bought and they had a bunch of kind of limited interest blogs that they created the most popular of which have stuck around for a while and gadget joystick and the unofficial apple weblog and also i think it's called uh, autoblog still around um but they were bought by AOL in 2006 i think um and it looks like basically everything but Engadget is getting like shut down Which is kind of a bummer
1: yeah so we talked about talked about joystick last week and then yeah this week the unofficial apple weblog um yeah kind of a shame um i mean i you know streaking speaking from a uh, a uh, pure business perspective i I have to imagine that these websites are not particularly profitable, so i, mean, I guess i I, mean, I can kind of understand making these moves from a business standpoint, but certainly as a just a general tech enthusiast, I want as many great news sources as possible, and it's it's a shame to to lose one like the apple weblog i mean you know like like we said last week for for joystick, pour one out for uh as the acronym goes okay uh, uh how about this radio shack news
0: oh yeah again yeah it's too much too much talk stuff. about yeah so when was the last time you've ever been in a radio shack
1: uh <laughs> i actually have a pretty funny story about that if you'll allow me
0: but again you've been inside one not just walked by one yes okay go for it
1: uh, I I participated in a uh, bicycle ride, a hundred mile bicycle ride. I remember a, this okay. year and, about yes. a year and a half ago, and um, I was not prepared. I, I I didn't train enough. I didn't, you know, walk through the route closely enough, and um, I want I, I got lost and. Um, got back on track, but by the time I did, it it was late, later in the day, the sun was starting to go down, you know, most of the other racers had finished, and um, as I was getting close to the finish line, I, I got lost again, and to the point where I I just was totally lost and, and couldn't even find my way back to the, the, the actual finish line where my car was and everything. And so I... And, and also, I should add, during the course of, you know, getting lost twice and taking way longer than I thought I was going to, my phone died. And so I went into a radio shack uh, and I, I purchased a uh, Apple, you know, phone charger and then sat on the floor of this radio shack charging my iPhone so that I could pull up, you know, maps and, and figure out where the heck I was. Uh, <laughs> so that,
0: that was the last time I was in a radio shack. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, so, so, so the tagline Radio Shack: there when you need them. Exactly. Except yeah. not anymore. Well, I'm not sure if it's actually happened yet, but Bloomberg is reporting that uh as of as early as tonight, uh, which is February 4th, maybe. Yeah, that's correct. Okay. All right. Um, that Radio Shack. Ooh, that's interesting.
1: Okay. Um, <laughs> i'm sorry are you having a, a monologue over there what's going on
0: no no uh apparently a uh, british telecom is buying ee oh so yeah consolidation um so yeah radio shack is going to file for bankruptcy uh which is going to include the sale of basically all of their stores and in the past week there have been a few news stories about what will happen to most of those locations um it's been rumored that sprint uh the third place uh money losing wireless carrier will be um, purchasing about half of them, and that there's also interest from Amazon that they will buy some of the uh, Prime uh, store... Not Prime, Amazon Prime, but, like, the ones in Prime locations to be uh, Amazon, like, pickup and drop-off centers and kind of places to showcase uh, Kindles and Kindle Fires and um, all the Amazon stuff. So, basically, I just... Was this inevitable? Do you think there was a place that, like a part of the market that Radio Shack could have like addressed better to stay relevant longer? Do you think Best uh, a Best Buy will be heading the same way? What's what's kind of what do what do you think is going on?
1: I I I do not think there was anything they could have done differently. I don't think there's any room in the market for a store like Radio Shack. And yes, I do think that. A store like Best Buy is headed in the exact same direction. You said uh, is or is not
0: is. So, I guess I'm gonna ask. So, you don't think they could have like a lot of people have, or I've I've read some suggestions that um they could have like embraced the um like the the new like the whole like you know the maker generation, like the the tech hobbyists, like you know those Raspberry Pi things or those Arduino. That's not things?
1: a that's not a big enough market.
0: They couldn't have done any of that stuff, or like uh, focused on home automation, or like Dropcam and Nest, like you know, all, like all the cool technology, rather than just being like this weird place where you buy cell phones. That's not the carrier store. You don't think they could have like specialized in something?
1: Even even if somehow the the Raspberry Pi home on autom- whatever, even if that stuff was a big enough market, why is that any different than just regular electronics where people would go in, maybe check out some of that stuff, and then. Go home and buy it on Amazon, where it's cheaper. It's kind of the same thing. I've always, I've always thought that with, um, like, with Best Buy in particular, um, really the only clear differentiation I've ever been able to see between Best Buy and and Amazon, or even stores that sell a variety of things like a Target or a Walmart or Costco, is the opportunity for um, Best Buy to specialize in services, because that really is the one thing that you don't get from any of those other stores is when you buy a new computer or you buy a camera or really anything that maybe you don't have a lot of experience with and you'd like somebody to walk you through with how to use or help you out if you have any trouble, a store like Best Buy, which specializes in these types of products, really could excel at, at, at that, you know, the, the service side of things. And that, and that could be a compelling reason to want to buy a computer or whatever at a physical location as opposed to online. Um, but from everything that, I mean, obviously, you know, you and I both worked there for a period of time, although that, that was a number of years ago. Now, um, there still hasn't really been anything from Best Buy or anyone like Best Buy that's shown me that that's really what they're going to try to differentiate themselves with. And I, I, I think that's the only thing they've got because they can't compete on price. They can't compete on selection. You know, I, I just don't know what else. I don't know what else there is for them to be able to keep pace with the Amazons and Targets and Costcos of the world. So it it really it really it really does seem inevitable. You know, and it's it, obviously it, it sucks because you know people, you know people lose their jobs and you know it, it's never it's never good to see a company go out of business. But just the the idea of having a standalone electronics retail store now, it just does, it just doesn't seem like a viable thing.
0: So then, what happens when uh, Amazon doesn't really have that much competition? Like, what 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 happens when there's no local retail choice to buy anything other than like an Apple Store?
1: No, I I think Amazon will continue to have a a lot of competition, namely from places like Costco, Walmart, Target uh, stores that don't necessarily focus on electronics, but But they but they have much more limited
0: selection. Well, like, yes, uh, Costco and... does not have a, a, a 50th, the selection that an Amazon does.
1: No, but I think a lot of the selection that Amazon has, not necessarily a whole lot of people are looking for. I, I would have to imagine that with something like a TV, people, I would say, you know, 80% of people could go into a, a Costco and find exactly the TV they want.
0: They can't find a Panasonic Plasma anymore. <laughs> I mean, so, so sure, they for don't.
1: For the, I mean, for the you know gadget nerds like you and me, yeah, maybe we don't go into a Costco and get a new TV. But you know, we we we're on the wire cutter. We're you know doing comparison shopping, all that kind of stuff. But I think for a lot of people, you know, something like a Costco is just fine. So th- those those types of stores will be around, I think. But the idea of a, a standalone electronic store. That's a that's a tough proposition. I, th- I think there are ways you can you could make it happen, mostly with that services angle I just described. But I, I haven't I haven't seen any store really take advantage of that.
0: Well, on that note, I, I have a related question. Um, what happens to GameStop? Like, how much longer do they have? Since like digital game downloads are a thing now, right?
1: They are, yeah. They, they do, definitely do people take are.
0: advantage of that? Like, is that common or is that a, a very un- infrequently used feature? So,
1: both with the Xbox One and the PlayStation 4, I, I, I think all, and if it's not all, it's a very large majority of games which are released on disc are made available via download the very same day, which is something that's fairly new to this generation of consoles. But. The 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 major thing is that the prices are for the most part exactly the same. So if you go into a, a GameStop and you spend sixty bucks on a disc, if you go and just try to download that game directly, you're also gonna spend sixty bucks. And there's really not a good reason to to spend the same amount of money on a download because the thing that you can do with a disc, which I do all the time, is once you're done playing the game, you sell it. And you, you can't do that with a digital download. So the, econo- the economics of digital downloads with games are still kind of being worked out.
0: And there's no way to um, gift your copy or transfer a license once you purchase it? There's not, no. Yeah, it's kind of lame.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, until, until there's something like that, or they just go ahead and make the decision to say, hey, you know, these downloadable versions of the games are going to be 40 bucks instead of 60 Until until one of those two things happens, there just really isn't a compelling reason to to buy games digitally other than just obviously the convenience factor. but you know, that's especially when the resale value of games is as good as it is if you sell your games like on eBay or something like that, it's just you know it, it's 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 worthwhile just picking up the disc or you know, having it shipped from Amazon or whatever. So gamestop is I think okay for now, but yeah, I think I think their long term future is is also tough. It's um there's going to come a point where they're going to find themselves in a radio shack situation where it's yeah, it, there's just not a lot of uh there's not a lot of room for them to operate with the way the market is going and with the amount of competition they're going to have. All right, well, you got you got anything else?
0: I think that's mainly it for me.
1: Yeah, I think thank me too.
0: Um do we want to uh what's the word not foreshadow <laughs> do we want to give a hint as sorry <laughs> if, if you're telling them it's not foreshadowing um do you want to give a hint as to what next week's um a preview that's the word i'm looking for uh i think i think you're thinking of a teaser trailer sure <laughs> <laughs> do we want to suggest what we might talk about next week Uh well, sure
1: yeah um there was some some really interesting <laughs> god it's unbelievable how often we come back to this on the show. Some really interesting Uber stories that came out uh, this last week. Oh, um, so so
0: you use the word interesting when you mean bad? Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, and that's all we have to say. Now, now, now they know it's gonna be a good one.
1: Yeah, no, and, and you know the, the, this is this is the, the kind of the Google Uber stuff that's been going on and the automated car stuff. And I think there's a there's a couple of really interesting topics in there that um, we both felt that. We kind of wanted an extra week to maybe gather our thoughts about and probably spend a bit of a you know, extended period of time on discussing. So that'll be best left, uh, I think, for next week.
0: Yes, we're gonna be talking about the uh, the ten ninety nine economy.
1: Man, that could be you could also be foreshadowing,
0: as as you say, the uh, title of next week's show. We'll see. Sure. Well, all right. All right.